Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Ask Me Anything where Pastor JD is going to give some quick answers to some of your toughest questions. And I'm Matt Love, your host, and today we have a follow-up to last week's episode when we answered a question that many of our listeners have had, which is, can you lose your salvation? But but Pastor JD, today we want to get a little bit more specific because we know there are some verses that seem to imply that you can lose your salvation. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this the previous episode, but... Um... Yeah, I think it's actually worth pressing in a little bit more. Uh, and we do get a fair amount of questions on this. Um, let me just start by saying that I did learn eternal security. I think wrongly when I was, uh, I grew up in a church that taught it, you know, once saved, always saved. And, and by the way, I still believe that. But the way it was presented to me, it was almost like it's a contract you sign. And the moment your signature goes on that contract, then like there's just no reneging at all. I mean, it's just, it's locked, it's loaded. It's like this, you know, now you've got this eternal Amex, American Express bank account that you can, whatever you do, you know, Jesus is going to pay for it because, because he's never going to break his word. And it's just, you know, it's, it's contractual. Once you go through the ceremony, there's no going back. And again, I want to be clear. I do believe once saved, always saved, but that just is not how the Bible seemed to talk about salvation. Again, just to briefly touch on that example last time of, of Jesus's parable of the seeds, um, you've got seeds that go into the ground and spring up quickly and then fade away. And, and we asked, does, do they represent saved people or unsaved people? And the answer is they're unsaved people who for a while look like they're saved people only for time and temptation to reveal that they, they were never actually regenerated. And the proof of that was their faith didn't endure. Well, or just think about it. What does that initial springing up of faith look like? Well, I mean, it probably would look like raising your hand, praying a prayer, maybe walking an aisle, maybe getting baptized. Th those are the initial indications of salvation. So there are people who pray a prayer, but um, it, it's never the kind of faith that that goes down deep enough in their soul that where they're they're leaning themselves so fully on Christ that they're actually they're actually saved. And so, you know, when you begin to think about this, and plus all these warnings, you know, that we talked about last time, if you continue on in the faith, you will be saved. Um, you really come to a, this point of, of tension. So let's just build that out for a minute and then, and then we'll resolve it. Okay. You start with verses like, like Jesus and John six, all that the father gives me are going to come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose not one of all that he has given me. I mean, just, just listen to how many times the word all and never, and not one are used in that verse. All that the Father gives to Jesus are going to come to him, and he's not going to turn away one or lose even one. He's going to raise all that the Father give to him. All right, so, so, so verses like that are, I mean, they just absolutely and undeniably establish eternal security. But then also consider 2 Corinthians 6.1, Paul tells the Corinthians, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. They had received it. They had embraced it. But he says, you're in danger of having received it in vain. You're not going to go all the way and, and not actually be be saved to the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul, in other words, had led a lot of these people to pray the sinner's prayer to faith in Christ. First Thessalonians 3, 5, he says, my fear is that is that somehow all this is going to have been in vain. To the Philippians, Paul said the same thing. You should hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or I did not labor in vain. The writer of Hebrews uh, you know, who, you know, if it was not Paul, and I actually don't think it was, um, uh, it's somebody that was tutored by Paul, it seems. He says, therefore, we got to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we, and I love this image, drift away from it. 
it's almost like think of uh think of a boat in a harbor and he's like if you don't drop your anchor if you don't drop a heavier anchor so that it really grabs hold of the bottom of the of the ocean floor you're going to drift out into the the, the waves of unbelief, you got to stay, you got to actively and intentionally anchor yourself in the harbor of salvation. Even in Jesus's teaching, not just the parable, of the seeds that I mentioned, there are several similar types of warnings. Matthew 10, 22, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Not the one who starts strong at the beginning, not the one who cries a lot and, and is you know so sincere at the beginning, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Revelation 2, 7, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. Right, so, the, so so the tension is real, and the question, therefore, is inescapable. Do these passages contradict? Did the Bible writers just kind of you know play whatever side of it they needed to in the moment? Well, no, they don't. They can't contradict because the Bible is the inspired and inerrant Word of God. And whenever you see an apparent contradiction, that's where you're supposed to dig in because that's where you'll find your most profound truth. These things teach you something important about the nature of saving faith that is often overlooked in our evangelical culture, whether that's Baptist or Assemblies of God or Bible churches or whatever, we, we you know, there, there, there's a very important part of, of saving faith that we, we've overlooked, and that is saving faith. One of the one of the inherent and essential qualities of it is that it endures to the end. So you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. If somebody is eternally secure, if Jesus is never gonna gonna lose them out of His hand, why would they be given warnings about enduring in the faith? I mean, you're either eternally secure or you're not. Well, there are three ways that you could answer that. Uh, let's just you know consider all three of them and see which one makes sense. But logically, you, you have to have one of three answers to that. The first one is, yeah, losing your salvation is a real possibility. That's, that's an answer some people come up with. The problem with that, of course, is that, it, is that it contradicts too many other places where the Bible clearly teaches that believers are eternally secure, that all those he foreknew, he predestined, all those he predestined, those he called, those he called, he justified, and those he glorified. Once you get on that train, you're going all the way to the station. In the verse we looked at, John 6, a moment ago, Jesus promised that not one, not one of the ones the Father had given to me would he would he lose. So that's one possible answer, but I think it falls pretty woefully deficient, both scripturally and logically. Um, here's the second one. These warnings are not given to real Christians. They're only given to Opposing Christians. In other words, these warnings are just given to expose those who look like they're saved but actually aren't. Truly saved believers can't lose their salvation. One of the signs that their salvation is genuine is that they never cease to persevere in the faith, and these warnings just just reveal that. Uh, they're not given for real Christians. They're only given to expose fake Christians. The problem with this interpretation, and I actually think there's some truth in that interpretation, but the problem with that is the full explanation is that the writers of these verses sound like they're talking to saved people. Paul seems to assume he's he's hoping these believers go on. He he, he assumes that he's talking to save people. Um, the writer of Hebrews talks about those who were enlightened, became partakers of the Holy Spirit. Um, in some of the other passages we looked at, Jesus was speaking to those who, who he had, in other places, already talked about being grafted into him, who confessed him and who prayed his name. Just look at the context of John 15 and Matthew 7, Matthew 10. Um, so, you know, that, that explanation has some truth in it, but I don't think it's sufficient as the full answer. So here's the third one. And, you know, spoiler, this is the one I agree with, that these warnings are given by Jesus and the, and the Bible writers not only to awaken those who have false assurance to show them that their faith is not real, but they're also given to spur true believers forward in their faith. 
So yes, they're given to awaken fake believers, say, hey, your faith's not lasting, it's not real, but it's also given to those who truly do have faith to spur them onward in their faith. Similar to position two there, the position recognizes that true believers cannot lose their salvation and that one of the signs of, of true faith is endurance to the end. But instead of seeing these warnings as solely for the awakening of superficial believers, you recognize that one of the ways that God keeps genuine Christians in the faith and keeps them enduring in the faith is through means of these warnings. One of the marks, again, of truly saving faith is that it endures throughout life. God uses these warnings to create that reality. True believers persevere in the faith, but these warnings are the means by which God goads them into that perseverance. I first discovered this through Charles Spurgeon, the way that he talked about eternal security. John Piper has recently talked a lot about it uh, in his book, Providence. Um, you know, there's a whole chapter in, in my book, Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart, that, that, that I kind of really press into this. Um, this last view, I think, is the only way that you can can account for all the things the Bible says and the only way that you can be consistent. Again, the Bible clearly teaches that believers cannot lose their salvation. Let's just start with that as our ground floor. Yet these warnings have to be taken at face value. And that is, the warning is, if we fall away, if we don't endure to the end, we won't ultimately be saved. The only way those two statements can both be true is if a failure to heed the warnings demonstrates that we never possess saving faith to begin with. And if we do heed the warnings, that is evidence that the faith that we had was, was real. It was, was, was what God had produced in us, and it went deep enough in our hearts to be truly saving faith. So yes, once saved, always saved. But the way that we know somebody is saved, the way we know they're eternally secure, is we see somebody who is forever following. Once saved, always saved. Once saved, forever following. And let me just lastly say, if you're listening to this and you're a little bit in despair right now, uh, you're in good company. Charles Spurgeon talked about this. He's like, you know, I, you know, does my faith go deep enough? He said, stop looking at your faith. Just lean fully on Christ. Christ has done everything necessary to save you. Spurgeon said, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus would never be able to look at me and say, I never knew you. He would say, because he said, I would say back to him, never knew you. I depended on you 100% for my salvation. Friend, if you right now believe that Jesus has done everything necessary to save you, and if you're, you're, you're serious about his lordship, you're not perfect, but you recognize that he is the only Lord and that, and that, that ultimately what he says goes, if you believe that and you are, 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 are resting the weight of your soul on it, if you're trusting in, in his finished work, in his finished work alone to be your salvation, then Romans 10, 9 promises you, you will be saved. And tomorrow you're going to get up and re-believe that. And yes, take those warnings seriously, that if you ever just stop believing that, that's evidence that that the faith wasn't real, but just day by day, you lean in on, on, on the finished work of Christ. Assurance of salvation is, is the gift that God gives to those who are currently and presently walking with, with him. If you stop walking with him, it's true that like King David, you may be in a time of backsliding and sin, and David committed adultery and murder and lied about it for a year, so it's possible that you'll lose the ability to have that assurance. Assurance is a gift for only those who are actively leaning on Jesus. Let me just close this by pointing to what the writer of Hebrews says in one of these passages, Hebrews 6. He says, he says, yeah, it's true. If you fall away, that'll be pretty strong evidence that you were never, never saved. But he says, we are convinced, Hebrews 6, we are convinced of better things of you. Meaning I've seen so much of how God's working in your life. I'm convinced the faith in you is real. And I'm convinced that while you do stumble and, and trip and fall going forward, God's going to keep bringing you back to, 
to this security, this resting in Christ, and that's a proof that he started a work in you that will never stop and that you have the faith that that will endure to the end and, and, and you will be saved. Thank you so much for joining us today for Ask Me Anything. If you like our podcast, we would really, really, really love it if you would briefly rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of places, so that others can enjoy it as well. It is really one of the most helpful things you can do. If you enjoy this, chances are someone else is going to enjoy it. So go ahead and give us a rating and a review. And also make sure you're subscribed so you get all our new episodes directly on your device. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.